You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you, and it's good to worship King Jesus in this place. Man, that's why we're here. That's what we do every week is we lift up the name of Jesus. And I want to give a huge shout out to everyone that showed up yesterday at Fishes and Loaves for the workday. Man, we engaged in the mission. We had 21 people that came out to help do some work. And let's, hey, let's clap for that. That's, man, engaging in the mission is, is what we're talking about this year. We've been discussing since January 1st that, man, this year is going to be a year that we engage in the mission of making a kingdom difference like never before. And we as a church, we want to make it easy for you to engage in the mission. And yesterday was one of those times and there were a ton of people that had other plans that wanted to be there and just couldn't. So we're going to have more opportunities to serve for Jesus, man. And I just wanted to say thank you for those of you who did show up. There was a lot of work done, a lot. And man, I couldn't have done any of that. So I'm glad that other people showed up and took care of all that hard uh, man work that I can't do. So um, we're in a series, a series called Shift, and week one we looked at how to shift our satisfaction to Jesus, and how we can really find our satisfaction, our joy, our life, in essence, in Jesus. And then in week two of this series, we looked at shifting our home and how we can really build a godly home, and then last week we looked at our influence and how we can really be a godly influence. And we said we're either influencing people toward Jesus or away from Jesus. That's your only option. And it's your decision which way you want to influence people. But we're constantly influencing someone. Some of us have more influence than others, but every single one of you, you have influence. And my, my heart, my prayer is that we begin to influence people toward Jesus. That we become godly influencers. And this week, we're going to look at shifting our first to Jesus. So we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic today, and we're going to talk about some money stuff. But what I, what, I want to, what I want to say up front is that although we are going to hit on money, man, that is not the goal of this message. The goal of today is that we begin to shift the first of everything in our life to Jesus. That Jesus really becomes the one thing that drives everything. I want to show you some photos. we got the kids in here. For those of you who are visiting or you're not used to a family service, we do this uh, four or five times a year where our elementary kids come in here and worship with us so they can, they can see what it looks like to really worship Jesus and they can be with their families. Um, but all the other weeks, they are back there doing their own thing. But this is a special service for us. And so they're here and I want to include them in the service. So what I'm going to do is we're going to show you some pictures here in a minute. There's going to be two options. And I want you at the top of your lungs, not just kids, but everyone, to you pick your choice of these two pictures. And I just want you to yell it out. I need some participation and some engagement today. We're going to start really easy with just two colors, and you just yell it out. Okay, red. Any yellow at all? Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. We ain't ready for that. We ain't ready for that. Yellow, okay, cool. Let's go to, now we can go to the next one. 
Okay, okay. So here's the deal. If you set Snickers, we'll we'll pray after service for you, because you can't beat you can't beat Reese cups, in my opinion. So okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, baseball, football. All right. So this, before we go to the next one, it's the most controversial. And kids, you don't get to participate in the next one. Only the adults. So, and this is important. If you want to be a part of Impact, you better get this right, man. I'm just saying it. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, man, we're, we're Apple people here. Um, so, again, if you chose Android, we will, pr- like, we will have a response time at the end of service, and we can repent of that. Um, but here's the point of all this, right? Is that when we see something in life, we always have a first response. Our first response is red or yellow. Our first response is Reese or Snickers. Our first response is baseball, football. Our first response is Apple or Android. Whatever it is for you, but we all had a first response. And in life, when we start to go through different things in life, when life just happens, we always have a first response. And I think it's important for us to understand that no matter what, we do have a first response, but we need to understand what our tendency is. What is our first response as a human being. And the Bible makes it really clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is what Jesus says. This is Jesus here. He says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and, and His righteousness. So He says our first response should be Him. And if you're taking notes this morning, that is point number one. God should be your first response, not your last resort. He should be the first place we turn. He should be the first one we run to. He should be the first in everything that we do. But I'm afraid that as life happens and as as people just get older and more stuff happens and we get busier and busier and busier, God tends to become a last resort instead of our first response. And he, he said this on the hills of saying, hey, I take care of the birds, I take care of the fields, I take care of all this stuff. Why are you worrying? Just seek me first. Just, just let me be the, the first response in your life. Let me really be the one thing that drives everything, and then all these things will be added to you. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you ask for. It doesn't mean that you're going you're gonna to have a lot of money. It doesn't mean you're going to have a big house. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is the things that you need for this life, God will take care of you. The situations that you go through in your life, God will be with you through those circumstances. He says, if you just seek me, if you, if you allow me to be your first response, then all of this other stuff will be added. Not the worldly stuff, but the godly stuff. The joy, the love, the peace the kindness, the long-suffering, all of that, the fruit of the Spirit, will be added unto you as long as you seek me first. And the big question that we have to answer this morning, are we seeking God above all else? Because we can't shift, right? We can't shift our life and everything in it if we're not seeking Him first. He has to be the first. 
in all that we do. Not just a last resort. I want you to think about maybe in your own life, but definitely people that you know. When, when things get really bad, they try to fix a lot of stuff on their own, right? They try to do a lot of different things. They maybe go to people for help. And then when they get to a certain point, a certain low, a certain place where they just know they can't do anything else, then they cry out to God. He really does become the last resort in our life because we try to do everything else on our own. And the worst thing we can say as a Christ follower is, I got this. Because guess what? You ain't got this. And I don't either. We need Him, which is why He should always be the first response and not the last resort. And this is, and this is kind of where it transitions a little bit to, to our finances in our life because Jesus talks about money around 40% of the time. When He is speaking, He talks about money about 40% of the time. Now, we don't preach about money here 40% of the time. If we did that, y'all wouldn't show up very often. And, and this, the, the goal of this message, again, isn't to, to try to get you to, to give money to Impact Church. That's not even close. It's for us to shift our finances and other areas of our life to Jesus so that we can live in a freedom that He intends for us to live in. And there's, there's some warnings in the Bible, and I'm just going to read one in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What if? What if we could live in this kind of freedom? This kind of freedom where we can say, look, I will, will be so confident in the fact that the Lord is my helper. That I'm not going to put money as an idol in my life. I'm not going to put stuff as an idol in my life. None of that matters because I'm confident in this. That He said He would never leave. He would never forsake me. He is my helper. Whom shall I fear? What amazing freedom that would be to live in. And I believe that Jesus talks about money so much because He, he knew that money would be the one thing that, that tries to pull us away from Him more than any other thing. Because money has become one of those things in life where first of all, you need it, right? If you don't have any money, you're probably not doing well in life. And I get that. And I will never tell you that money's bad. The Bible never says that money's bad. There's just a certain aspect of our heart that should be pointed to Jesus when it comes to not only finances, but every other area of our life, and there's a freedom that He wants us to live in. And the freedom is stop worrying about all this other stuff because the Lord is my helper, and I can confidently say that. Can you confidently say that in your life that God is who He says He is, and He's a good Father who loves His kids, and that He is working all things out? In Matthew chapter 6, this is before verse 33 and 19 through 21. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth 
nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is what Jesus says. This is not your permanent home. This, this earth, this world, right now, this is not your permanent home. Stop, stop focusing on all this stuff that the world has to offer you because all of that's going away. Stop trying to store up for yourselves treasure here on earth. Now, he doesn't say not to save and not to do... That's a completely different ballgame. We'll have a complete series on, on faithful stewardship. That's not what today's about. Today's about where our focus is and what the motive is for our life. He says, man, this, this stuff's going away. So where are you storing up treasures? Is it, is it your house? Is it, is it in the cars that you buy? Is it in the toys that you have? What is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And this gets taken out of context a lot and flipped around. And, and people like to say, well, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to go. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, what you treasure, that's where your heart goes. If you treasure all kinds of money and all kinds of stuff and all kinds of worldly things, your heart will follow and your heart will be set on those things. Jesus says, don't set up for yourself treasures on this earth. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And then we see in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul's training up a, a young pastor by the name of Timothy. And he's telling him, you're going to have two people that you talk to. Those who want to be rich, those who are rich. And he says this, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Here's what he's saying. For you, for the rich of this present age, and you may be saying, that ain't me. This, if your combined household income is $35,000, you are in the top 1% earners in the world. If you have one car, and you own that car, you are in the top 1% in the world. So most of us in this room, we are rich in this present age. And this is what Paul says. He says, God has given you this to enjoy. This is how you enjoy it. To do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So the stuff that God gives you, He does want you to enjoy. If you have money, He wants you to enjoy it. We should be living our life in a way that He is the focal point of our life, so everything we do is to bring Him glory. So in the bringing of glory to Him, we enjoy the things that we do and the things that we have. Because when He becomes the one thing that drives everything, His desires become our desires. And we begin to, to just have a different perspective on life and a different perspective on finances. We should begin to shift everything in our life to Jesus. Not just the leftovers, but the first. How many of you eat leftovers at home? Be honest. Okay. So here's what happens in my house. And Ashley hasn't been in here in a few weeks. She isn't here today, so I gotta be careful. But this is what happens at my house. She she cooks most most every meal. Um, and she cooks a lot. 
that we always have leftovers. And at the end of the week, there's probably six things in my fridge that's just like half full of all this food that we were supposed to eat as leftovers. But she keeps cooking the next night. So it just kind of builds up and it's, I don't understand the process. Like, if we're supposed to eat the leftovers, why are you still cooking? Well, I don't want the leftovers. Well, throw it away. Well, somebody might want it later. Nobody ever wants it later. Because sometimes leftovers just aren't good. There's an occasion where leftovers are better than the original. It doesn't happen much. Spaghetti might be one. Pizza's one for me, right? I love, I love cold pizza. But usually, the first is always the best. And then you warm it back up the next day or the next day, and it just isn't quite the same. It doesn't hit the same. But what we do in life is we, we get everything done that we want to get done. We buy everything we want to buy. We do everything we want to do. We, we have all these relationships we want to have. And then whatever time is left, whatever money's left, whatever energy's left, we say, okay, God, you can have this now. You can have what's left over instead of giving Him the first. And if we want our life to change, and we have to get to the point where He gets the first and the best. He gets the first and the best of our finances. He gets the first and the best of our relationships. He gets the first and the best of our time. He gets the first and the best of our energy. He gets the first and the best of everything in our life. We have to begin to shift the first to Him. How can we store up, store up for ourselves treasures in heaven? This is, I've said this before, and this is still what I believe, and this is still true for me. We can't take our stuff with us to heaven. So all the stuff that you store up here, all the worldly stuff, it is going away. I can't take my, my house to heaven. I can't take my, my cars to heaven. I can't take my money to heaven. None of that stuff goes with me. The one thing I can take to heaven with me people. You can't take anything else. So I believe the way that we can store up treasure in heaven is to live in such a way that we put the gospel on display. To live in such a way where God is our first response and because of that other people are transformed by the power of the Spirit. We live in such a way that we give God our first and our best and because of that people begin a relationship with Jesus. Because they see the example, because they see the Gospel on display, and the Spirit begins to draw them unto Himself, and they say, yeah, I want that. I've seen that in action, and that's what I want. And man, we get to say, it's all about Him. It always has been. It always will be. And we get to take people to heaven with us. Now, I don't want you to think there were some supernatural beings that can just grab people and sit, like bring them to heaven. That ain't what I'm saying, man. What I'm saying is that sharing the gospel of Jesus should be one of our chief aims in life. Is that we should not only share the gospel by proclamation, but we should put on display through our lifestyle the gospel of and when we begin to do that, when we begin to shift our first to Him, 
then He begins to do some work through us where people start to take notice, not of who we are, but of who He is. I want to go all the way back to Genesis really quickly. Y'all, maybe you've heard the story of Cain and Abel, maybe not. I want to read the story to you at Genesis 4, starting in verse 3. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain brings an offering. Abel brings an offering. God accepts one. He doesn't accept the other. And people try to to twist this a little, and they think it's because Cain brought some, some... fruit, vegetables, whatever it was, and Abel brought uh, meat sacrifice. It has nothing to do with that because we see in Hebrew that it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. Not acceptable in what he brought, acceptable in how he brought it. His attitude was different. His motive was different. He brought the first and the best of what he had to God because he knew that God had given it to him. And we see that Cain, after some time, got some stuff from the field and took it to God. This is the difference between giving God your first and your best and your leftovers. Because everything that we have is a gift from Him. Everything that we have is a blessing from Him. When we dedicate kids here, right, we we say that the, the child is a blessing from God. And what we want to do is we want to dedicate that kid. We want to commit to raising him. We want to, we want to thank God for the blessing and then give the blessing back to God and say, hey, I need you. And a lot of times we do that because it's, it's tradition and that's just what parents do. Now, this, it's a commitment for us to say, this is a gift from you and I want to give it back. But when it comes to money, man, we don't do that. When it comes to stuff, we don't do that. When it comes to time, we don't do that. When it comes to our energy, we don't do that. We we get done everything else that we want to get done, and we bring God the leftovers. Man, and I'm pleading with you that if you want your life to reflect that of Jesus, we have to begin to bring Him our first and our best in every area of our life. It's just, it's something that has to be done. And I know that it's, it's not easy. I'm not, I'm not standing up here and telling you that I got it all together. I'm telling you that, man, we need to begin to shift together. To take these steps of faith together. So that we can be on mission for Him to make a difference for His kingdom. For His sake. For His glory. We have to begin to give Him our first and our best in every aspect of our life. And we say first and best, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with, with, with just some stuff. It's going to be a longer close, closing than normal, but I want you to, to kind of understand where this first and best came from. And we see in Leviticus 23, it says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land, that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits 
of your harvest to the priest. So we see back in Leviticus, the Levitical law, they had to, to bring the first and the best that they had to the, to the priest. This is where the idea of first fruits and the first and best, this is where it, can, it comes from. But then we see that man, we don't live under Old Testament law anymore. So, so what do we do? Are we still supposed to bring our first and our best? In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 and 21 says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. This is what Jesus did. Jesus, in the Old Testament, in the, in the law, they were supposed to bring their first. The first 10% of what they had. Jesus comes and says, hey, I am the first fruit. I am it. There, there's no better. There's no, no other first, no other best. I am the first and the best. And that's why we say, let's give God our first and best because He gave us His first and best in Jesus. And the way that He did that was sending Jesus on a rescue mission for us. And not only that, Jesus being put in the grave, defeated death three days later. He arose from the grave and He is alive and well today. We don't serve a dead God. No, we serve a living Savior who came on a rescue mission to be the first and the best. So I'm not telling you to give your first and your best because of the Levitical law. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm telling you that we should give our first and our best because God gave us His first and His best in Jesus. And that should mean something to you. That should do something to you. That He cared enough about you to come on a rescue mission, to live a life of perfection that you couldn't live. To die a gruesome, painful death that you deserve to die. To defeat death because you couldn't do it. And then to give you a life that you don't deserve to have. An eternal life with Him. And our response should be, we want to give you our first and our best because you gave that to us. It should be our first response to Him. Jesus, they tried to catch Jesus in a lot of different things all the time, these religious leaders, man. And I know I've said this before, if you're looking for a place of religion, this ain't it, man. We ain't all about that. We're about a relationship with Jesus and making a difference. We don't have time for that other stuff. There's people dying and going to hell every day. And let me tell you what, what won't save them. Religion. You know what saves them? The power of Jesus. You know how they can see the power of Jesus? For us to shift our lives to Him so that He can use us to make a difference for the kingdom. So these religious leaders, they're like, hey, should we pay taxes and all this stuff? And this is Jesus' response in Matthew 22. Jesus' response, man, if you, if you don't read the Bible... Just read it a little bit. There's some cool stuff in there, man. And Jesus is one of those guys that's just, his responses are epic sometimes. He says this, show me the coin. Like, you're talking about 
taxes. Show me the coin for the tax. So they brought him a denarius, and Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now, what this doesn't mean is that this has nothing to do with political parties, the political landscape, paying taxes, really none of that. Jesus says, hey, this is the law of the land. His, his likeness and inscription is on this coin. It's His. So pay unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But give unto God what is God's. And we see in Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created a male and female. He created them. And I like to think that Jesus saying, hey, whose likeness and inscription is this on the coin? They say, this is Caesar's. He says, cool, give it to Caesar. But then he looks at you and he says, well, whose likeness and inscription is on you? And we see in Genesis chapter 1 that we're made in the likeness and the image of God. So our answer has to be, I'm made in your likeness. And your inscription is on me. And he says, well, give unto God what is God's. See, God doesn't want just some of you. He wants all of you. And man, we miss it. Because we want to give them the leftovers. He says, no, man, I created you in my image. In the likeness of God, He created them. He breathed the Ruach of life into you, the Spirit of God into Adam. He breathed nostril to nostril with the first man that He created and He breathed that Spirit into him. And ever since that moment, that has been inscribed on every human heart that there is something more out there. Money can't buy it. Stuff can't provide it. Jesus is the only one who can fill that hole in your life. Give unto God what is God's. It's all of you. He wants every single bit of you. He wants your first and your best. And when we give Him our first and our best, man, it just overflows and everything becomes His. And as we seek Him first, He works all things out. All these other things are just added because He's working and He's moving. Have you given Him all of you in this place? Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.